0: Gentlemen, start
1: your red Live from our studios in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Fox Sports Spartanburg presents Start Your Engines. Here is your race team for today. Show producer, Ronnie Black. Author and veteran motorsports journalist, Deb Williams. Local action from winning car builder and owner, Alan Hill. Former NASCAR team manager and author, Greg Moore. And here is your host for Start Your Engines. Racing historian and author, Perry Allen
2: Wood. And good morning and welcome to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartanburg on a hot Saturday morning. Boy, I'm glad I got my yard work done because I don't know mm-hmm. if I can if I can make it today. And uh got an empty chair over here. Greg's not with us this morning, but Ronnie's here. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning. I, and what was my first question to you this morning? Uh Hope you got your yard work done. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what got me thinking about it. I'm glad I did, too, because uh, I think it's already like 78 degrees out there. Oh, it is. It's heading for the 90s. I think it got up to 93 yesterday, but welcome to Start Your Engines. We've uh, got a lot to talk about. We've got a special guest that, um looking forward to talking to Wayne Finley. Now, I need to get some information on Wayne, so we might as well all find it out together when he gets here. I've talked to Wayne a little bit here lately, and he's a real good friend of Greg's. Yeah. And he worked for Petty Enterprises for I can only say years. I don't know if he worked right. for uh, five or twenty-five. I think it's more like twenty-five. We'll
3: find out shortly.
2: And it's way back there. Uh, a lot, I know a lot of us in the '60s and the '70s when you know Petty used to sometimes win uh, half a do- or a dozen races a year. So uh, I'm sure he's going to have some good stories to tell us. And as a matter of fact, he's uh, he's very, very knowledgeable, of course, and we will uh talk to him at 11 o'clock although he's going to come in a little bit early after deb's done and we'll uh find out all about his background and he's a wealth of information look forward to talking to him he's he's one of these guys that you just wind him up and get out of the way
3: (laughs) nothing wrong with that
2: well sometimes there is if i gotta do a commercial or something (laughs) but uh wayne's uh wayne will be here and we'll find out more about his background and everything and get some stories out of him uh well
3: working for petty he's got to have some good stories
2: yeah i'm sure he does and i think the, the in the past when we've had uh Cal petty on the show wayne's the one that got him for greg to get f- for us so uh we will um we'll be talking to wayne at 11 o'clock and a little bit before that so uh did you watch chicago i did i, I enjoyed watching it i hated that the uh Xfinity race didn't get to go the distance. I know. That aggravated me, too. Now, I heard Jeremy, uh, of course, he finished 20th. And he started last, which was 37th. And you know, I told him, I texted him between, uh, you know, Saturday when they thought they were going to finish the race on Sunday morning. Right. And I said, uh, okay, Jeremy, you passed
3: half of them today. Pass the other half tomorrow. (laughs) Well, actually, for no more laps than they ran, him getting up to twenty was pretty doggone good, I think. Well, he said
2: on open mic. Uh, I guess it was Thursday. He, they, Mark Setzer, the crew chief, had a strategy where they were gonna, um, they were, they were, they were in twentieth, but they weren't anticipating that the race was going to get stopped when right. they had the rain delay because they never started it again. But he said there was about fifteen cars in front of them that hadn't pitted and had mm-hmm. to pit. So if they had pitted. Um, they could have restarted the race, you know, like fifth or something. Right. And he said the car was running real good. I don't think they had any any kind of problems that would, uh, you know, that would keep them from staying up front. So.
3: Well, I've always told you that my favorite NASCAR races are actually the road races because I love to see them turn left and right. But the street race was even better, in my opinion.
2: Well, it was unique, for sure, because of the the venue, the setting, the big buildings, the park. Buckingham Fountain yeah. and everything. and They uh, had
3: to have a lot of help from the city of Chicago to get that done.
2: They did. And from what I understand, now, I, I've heard a lot of questions about are they coming back next year. My understanding is they have a three-year contract, but I don't know if it's three consecutive years. Right. You know, they could come I didn't back. I think about that. Yeah, they could come back in five years and have the second one. So I would imagine it's consecutive years, but I don't know that. And... Uh, From what I understand,
3: uh, they're just weighing
2: how everything went. Well,
3: to me, what looked like just just from a TV viewer watching, the only problem they had was one bottleneck. It got bottled up too. It sure did. (laughs) And I'm sure between now and if they do have a next race, they can figure something out there. Well, um, nobody, uh, you know,
2: this is what was funny, and I got to hand it to you, you. You got me educated about a sport that I claim to sort of be an expert in. But when you texted me Saturday afternoon and said, who is this Van Giesenberg in this? <laughs> I know. And I, I said, uh, Ronnie's watching some other racers. I don't know what he's
3: watching. <laughs> Turns out he's a New Zealander. Yeah, and he won. Yeah. So. uh Won going away. Yeah. Now, he's a champion. In Australia and New Zealand. Of uh, the supercars. Right, which is very similar to stock cars. Well, it
2: says that he drives a Camaro uh, L5 or something like that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look anything like a NASCAR Camaro, but they say it was a Camaro. It looked to me like it had a shorter wheelbase. But anyway, uh, he, he has been the champion the last two years, 21 and 22, and I think back in 2016. And I believe their biggest race is called the Bath One Thousand. I imagine that's a thousand kilometers. Yeah. And uh, he's won that three times. So he's just he's their big, big, uh, big name down there, and a great. And well, once he got in
3: clean air, there was no touching him.
2: <clears throat> well, the thing I liked about him was uh, his—he uh, he was a pretty humble guy in victory lane. Uh, good facial hair, <laughs> not, not a whole lot on top, <laughs> but. Uh, a uh, little bit like you, Ronnie. Yeah. Uh, maybe well, you a little younger. He's 34 years old, I think.
3: Yeah, and one of the things he said that did really catch my ear was when they asked the stock question of a, of a new guy coming over yeah. Did you have any idea you could win? And he said, Not really. And, you know, most guys would say, Oh, yeah, I knew I could come over here and compete with these guys.
2: Yeah. But he said, No, he said, I had no idea. Well, you know. It's a level playing field if there ever was one. Because mm-hmm. Nobody'd run a race there before, and he had a good car with the uh, uh, Trackhouse Racing, the, their third car. The they call it Project Ninety One, car number Ninety One, and they've run that car a couple of times already. I think they ran it in the Daytona Five Hundred, and I'm pretty sure they ran it at Coda, at Circuit of the Americas on the road course. And uh, I think you're right. He um they they put. Kimi reckoning in the car, a, fa- a former Formula One driver, and I think a champion, in the car at a, might have been Daytona, heck, I should have looked it up, and uh, maybe Jensen Button, who's a Formula One, uh, the 2009 champion, he might have driven it at Coda, or the other way around, or whatever. But anyway, it's a special car that they are setting aside for, um, <laughs> I don't want to call them ringers, because actually, you know, they're at probably a disadvantage, especially someplace like Daytona. But I tell you what, he was a ringer uh, this past Sunday, and I, I enjoyed it. And you know, they asked him in Victory Lane. They said, uh, "Do you uh, would you like to come over here and do this permanently?" And he said, pretty pretty he's directly. He said, "One or two more years." I thought he said one more year, and I think in that's right, two yeah. years. Uh, you know, I'd like to come over here and do this. So, you know, welcome. Come on over. I, I wonder if
3: our purses are that much bigger.
2: I imagine so. I, I wouldn't know that, but uh the um you get into a lot of things when you bring that up because Shane Van
3: Ginzenberg. Yeah,
2: Shane Van Ginzenberg. Bergen. Bergen. Van Gensenberg. I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh he um but I got I I kinda just got a feeling their cost of living's probably not as high there, so Maybe it doesn't take as much money to survive down under. But anyway, he would be set up to uh, probably sign a very lucrative contract here. If with Trackhouse, I don't know if they have an exclusivity clause or a contract or something with him, or he could come over here and run for Stuart Haas or something. I don't know. But anyway.
3: And don't forget, one of the owners of Trackhouse is Pitbull.
2: Yeah. Well, one of them is Pitbull, and the other one's Justin Marks, who right. was a uh, as Deb was talking to us last week, was going to make a big splash in the uh, Xfinity race, and he blew an engine and finished dead last. Yeah. So uh, that was sort of surprising. But, uh, yeah, Shane Van Giesenberg. Bergen. Bergen, Giesbergen. Giesbergen. It's not Giesenbergen. Let me
3: look here. I got it right here. uh, Or as they affectionately called him on the race, SVG. That's better. Giesbergen. Giesbergen.
2: Um, he, uh, won his first start for the first time since one of the friends of the show that we haven't had on yet this year, Johnny Rutherford, won the second qualifying race at Daytona in 1963, driving for Smokey Eunuch, which at that time, the qualifying races, uh, were points-paying races, so it counted as a grand national win at that time. That was, uh, way before, a uh, Winston Cup or any kind of cup. So, uh, he did something... It's only been done, well, taking out the first couple of years when a lot of people won their first race. Right. I mean, let's face it, Jim Roper won his first race because he won the first race. So, uh, But, you know, moving on up, you know, in 1963, by that time, it was, uh, you know, it it was uh, a notable thing to win a race, period, let alone your first one, and that's what Johnny Rutherford did. So it hadn't happened in 60 years, and we were – We were all witness to it last week. Now, you've got to remember, that race was cut short, 25 laps. Not that he wouldn't have led the last 25 laps, and I I tend to think maybe he would have. But that um, race was cut short because they were running short on daylight. And from what I understand uh, from several sources that I can't name for no particular reason, but they were like within 15 minutes of canceling the race and, and having it Monday. But they said, you know, we got a window of opportunity here if we can get the track dry just enough for the the, uh, rain tires to take effect and we can, you know, start the race and maybe run a few laps under caution or whatever. We can get it in. And they did. They got it in. Now, the Xfinity race actually went two races short of halfway, which... Two laps short. What'd I say? Races. Two... Two laps short of halfway, and that's happened one other time. And I think it was what did I read last year or twenty twenty. But one other time is the only time that NASCAR had an official race that didn't go at least halfway because that's sort of the rule everywhere. Yeah, the rule. And and, uh, but it didn't make it halfway. It was two laps short, and they uh, they couldn't get anywhere close to uh, restarting it on Saturday. And then Sunday morning, I think they waited an hour or so
3: and it's like no way it poured up until just before uh, cup car time and
2: not just pour it was record Mm. rainfall for Chicago I mean it was like all time record rain
3: two inches that morning
2: yeah you know they couldn't have possibly picked the worst weekend no way you can know about the weather but they couldn't have possibly uh, picked the worst weekend to have it just bad luck I guess no other way to look at it so let's look at the Xfinity here for just a second um We'll get that out of the way. Cole Custer was the winner. Driving for uh, Stuart Haas. John Nemechek was second. Third was Justin Allgaier. Fourth was Brett Moffitt. Fifth, Austin Hill. Sixth, Sammy Smith. Seventh, Daniel Hemrick. Eighth, Chandler Smith. Ninth, Parker Klingerman. And tenth, Kaz Grala. Two of the guys there that we interviewed at Darlington. Absolutely. Sam, yeah. Sammy Smith and Kaz Grala. Um And you said you kind of fell in love with Kaz, right? let's well, not put it that way. But he was became a, a fan of. He was so. He well, first of all, he's big. I mean, he that was a tiny little room anyway, and he <laughs> filled up a whole bunch of it. But uh, um, yeah, he, he he's very well spoken. He's from Massachusetts, as you would expect him to um, probably be well educated. Not that everybody in Massachusetts is, but he is. And I think he, uh, you know, he was the one. He said he had a choice of. Uh, he wanted. Well, there's an example of the trucks. He won his first truck race ever
3: mm-hmm.
2: at Daytona, at which immediately put him in the chase. And he said, well, when it came September, I had, a, uh, I had the opportunity to either get into playoffs or move into my dorm at Georgia Tech. <laughs> yeah. So he said, you know, I can go to college anytime. I think I'll stick with the trucks. <laughs> and so he became a truck racer, and then uh, now he's moved up to uh, uh Xfinity, and when Richard Childress needed a driver, when uh, Austin Dillon got, I guess it was COVID, he um, he, so. he picked Kaz, so Kaz was the first guy to uh, to run the number three car, other than uh, Chase. Yeah, and so, um, or, uh, is that right, Chase? Not Chase, the three car, Austin Dillon. Austin, yeah. yeah. Really okay. so, uh, but anyway, 20th was uh, Jeremy Clements, Uh, had a plan, didn't get a chance to execute it, uh, started 37th and finished 20th, so he just about passed half of them. The points, he's not going to get in on points. We've pretty pretty much established that. He's 165 points out of the playoffs, which 12th place is Riley Herbst. Uh, Jeremy's in 19th. The point standings for Xfinity, with three wins, leading is Austin Hill. Second with two wins is Cole Custer, and third is John Nemechek with two wins. The next four guys have one win each. Justin Allgaier, Chandler Smith, Sammy Smith, and Jeb Burton. And um, 8 through 12, Josh Berry, Sam Mayer, Sheldon Creed, Daniel Hemrick, and Riley Herbst. Are, uh, that's your top 12. They've got 10 races still to go before the playoffs. So Jeremy's got a lot of time to win a race. And, you know, like I said, two of the tracks that they're going, coming up, Road America and Daytona, he's won that before. So, yes. you know, all is not lost. Jeremy's got a good chance uh, to win a race and, and make it into the playoffs. Let's take a break. And we're going to come back and talk to Deb Williams. You're listening to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartanburg.
1: Start Your Engines will be back after this quick pit stop on Fox Sports
4: 1498.3 FM attorneys at Carolina Law Group are your local injury attorneys. They will always fight for you and aren't scared of the big insurance companies. The best part about Carolina Law Group is that they are local, located here in Spartanburg. And when you call Carolina Law Group, you will always speak with an attorney like Nahar Patel, who was recently voted as best injury attorney in the upstate, or attorneys Matthew Whitehead and Mitchell Byrd, who were finalists for best trial attorney. The Carolina Law Group is aggressive and loyal and will fight for you. Call today,
5: 864-757-5555, or visit the thecarolinalawgroup.com. The Atlanta Braves are back, and this 2023 team is ready for another
6: epic season. One, one. Here's a deep drive to left center field. This thing is
7: clear for takeoff. Back-to-back home runs, Ozuna and Riley. Listen to Atlanta Braves baseball all season long right here on Fox Sports, Spartanburg, 98.3 FM. The Braves are looking for their sixth consecutive NL Eastern Division crown, and you can hear that
8: chase right here on your home for the Atlanta Braves, Fox Sports, Spartanburg, 98.3 FM. Make Phillips and Long Fuel Chesney your source for propane in Spartanburg County. Find
9: an old 35mm film camera? Are you using one now? Do you want to?
8: Where do you go to get your film developed?
9: Spartan Photo Center, the last full-service camera store in South Carolina. They have all sorts of newly new used cameras, digital and film. Remember film. They develop 35mm and 120 size color negative film three times a week. Black and white every couple of weeks. Get your film developed, scanned, printed, or cloud delivered to you by Google Drive or Dropbox. Need film? They've got film. 35mm color and black and white. Spartan Photo Center, 108 Garner Road, just off North Pine Street across from the Food Lion. Image
10: Printing is the only shop in the upstate that prints signage, decals, banners, t-shirts, wide format printing, full color paper printing, and offers graphic design services all in-house. And now Image Printing is offering custom t-shirts with no minimum quantity. That's right. Image Printing now offers direct-to-garment printing, which means you can get your design printed on a T-shirt, whether you want one or 1,000. Visit Image Printing at 845 California Ave. Across the street from the Spartanburg County Detention Center. Call 864-583-8848.
2: And welcome back to Start Your Engines. And uh, Deb, I hate to tell you this, but uh, I can't open the folder that's got your uh, your sound effects, your mute, your uh, your lead in. So uh, I'll uh, have to get that taken care of. It happened last week, and actually I forgot to get it taken care of. So I'll make sure that happens this week. How you doing this morning?
0: I'm great. How about yourself?
2: Well, not too bad. It is hot as the blazes down here in Spartanburg. I don't know about Charlotte. Probably about the same. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm actually not in Charlotte. I'm in Atlanta. So, oh, yes, it is the same. That's right. You are in Atlanta. How glad that.
3: were you that you were not in Chicago in all the rain?
0: Well, quite pleased. <laughs> but uh, from what I have heard, it was just an experience that that I have to experience next year because everyone who was there just loved it. You know, even though the rain, it. Uh, Everybody was ha- happy about the way the they were welcomed, and the, I mean, all the drivers, now you don't hear this much, but they were happy with the track, and um, when I saw the one crew member taking the wheel and tire out of Legacy Motor Club pit and letting putting it on pit road so it could float down pit road, <laughs> I knew they were having fun. If they were playing in the rain, they were having fun.
2: Well, you know, um, we were just talking about this before we got you on, and uh, from what I understand, they've got a three-year contract, but uh, I don't know if it's somebody I picked up someplace that's not necessarily three consecutive years, but how do you understand that?
0: Well, that's all I know, but, you know, there's always, as you well know, in any contract, there's an option clause or an out clause, and that three-year contract was signed under the previous mayor, but mm. the current mayor, who was recently elected, admitted he was skeptical. It's a she, but, isn't it? Um, isn't it a lady? Um, I know the previous one was. I'm not sure now. Well, I don't know
2: which one I'm thinking but, of. Then I could a black lady but, is the one uh, I'm thinking of.
0: Yeah, like I said, I know that was the previous mayor, but I don't know about the current one, but I was told that the current mayor was at the event, and uh, several of the, the events that were held. And that person admitted they were skeptical about it, but that skepticism was erased. And I know, uh, I thought it was interesting that Daniel Hemrick crew chief said that when they were walking to their hotel, in their crew uniforms that people applauded them. And uh, I had one person tell me that when he checked out of his hotel, he, you know, the bellman was pleased. They were there and all. And he said, well, I guess we'll see you next year. And the bellman said, you mean we've got to wait a whole year (laughs) for you to come back? (laughs) So, uh, you know, I, I was just amazed at the once I heard Julie Geese talking about what all had been done in her Zoom conference, and then a few of us met with Tim Berman and uh, Joshawn Hamilton. Joshawn is the race director, and Tim was handling all the, the race logistics, uh, you know, getting the, the crews in and the walls up and all, and once I heard their game plan, I was just amazed at at everything that went on behind the scenes unfortunately the rain prevented the concerts from being held but other than that and you know there's some you know there's always things you learn and things you got to correct like there wasn't uh it was difficult for handicapped people to get around so that's something they need to look at but uh, i thought overall for the first time it was a, a huge success
2: um, let me ask you a question, changing gears just a little bit here. Do you know Wayne Finley that used to work for the Petties?
0: I know the name. I do not know him.
2: Okay, well, he's sitting right here with us this morning. He's going to join us. He's our special guest at 11 o'clock. And uh, he said he knew you. Of course, everybody knows you. So, anyway, he may chime in here with a question or two. Yeah,
0: Say, well, let's put it this way Wayne, if I saw you, I'm sure I would know you. <laughs> Okay, I know who you are now. Yes, I do. <laughs> Good <to hear> you. <laughs> you know, I don't
2: think that microphone's working. They said they were having yes, some trouble is. with it. Well, Deb said she could hear him. Okay, why don't you check yep. with one of our listeners out there, like Daredevil or somebody, and see if that yeah, mic's yeah, the, uh, the
11: Yes, there have been. And yes, I
0: do know you and I do remember you. So. Uh, like I
2: said, I knew if I saw your face or heard your voice, I would know you. Well, you're in Atlanta now, and I that, I did forget about that for a second there. Um, how is it down there? I, I watched a little bit of practice or qualifying yesterday. No, what, I guess it wasn't qualifying. It was uh, the trucks. No, the trucks are at
0: <laughs> in Ohio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I watched something in yeah.
2: Atlanta. I don't know what it was, but... Uh,
0: I don't either because the track, <coughs> uh, the garage doesn't even open until 1230 today.
2: Oh, I got a call The from haulers,
0: cup. The, the cup haulers didn't even enter Atlanta until this morning. Okay, well. They didn't even enter the track till this morning.
2: Maybe I dreamed it. I don't know. but well, they it,
0: were Maybe it was last year. Maybe okay. it was a replay, a rewind. Yeah, but, they were
11: showing a replay on
2: the ESPN. A other so. So how is it down there? I mean, I know there's probably a lot of talk about Chicago still going on, but Atlanta um, is such a fast track, and, and it's changed several times over the years. Most recently, I guess, what was it, two years ago when they reconfigured the banking and everything, and they uh, did some things with pit road. And I think, you know, having to enter like coming off of the backstretch to get on the pit road, and I think they've tweaked that again, haven't they?
0: Well, they just started that in the spring race here. Right. Uh, where you would enter pit road coming off of the back stretch and so that it wouldn't be such a sharp transition and coming off of turn four as it had always been previously. And what they've tweaked now is that they are allowing the drivers to go where they come on pit road entering turn three they can stay at 90 miles per hour and they don't have to drop down to the slow pit road speed until they've already come through turn three and I think at the exit of four to come down Pit Road. Well I, so that, that'll allow them a little bit more speed coming on the pit road.
2: Well, I hope it works out better for them because uh, did you have something there Ronnie? Oh okay, I thought you raised your hand for a question.
0: Well, what I was going to say, say, the interesting thing is the problem that they kind of run into is that the cars are coming off pit road at about the same time (laughs) that other cars are dropping down to come on the pit road. So that's something that they have to be very careful about.
2: Yeah, and I I think I predicted dire circumstances last year.
3: Yeah, they had a couple of near misses on that last week, didn't they, Deb?
0: last week you mean in in chicago in in the spring oh no i was was thinking about
3: in uh, chicago
0: oh yeah well you know that that um that was a similar situation but you also have that situation at watkins Glen,
2: which uh will be coming up pretty soon about it
0: you're coming you're coming off of um the last turn and coming into pit road at watson's Glen, and then you're coming back into race traffic as the cars are coming down the front stretch and going into turn one yeah well uh the xfinity race
2: I, I tell you one thing that i really like uh is that both of these races are at night of course that's not going to give them or in the evening and we'll probably end in darkness, I I feel certain. Which
0: the drivers are are quite pleased about. That's
2: what I was going to say. I'm pretty pleased about it myself because... uh, Well, that's
0: because you're not sitting there having to wait for the interviews and leaving the media center at midnight
2: and 1 a.m. Well, that that could be true. (laughs) (laughs) I I definitely will probably be sound asleep by then, but, uh, (laughs) uh, you know, it's, it's just an evening entertainment. I'm sure probably in the of summertime, it's better for uh, spectators, heat-wise and everything, and probably for oh, the yeah. television audience who, uh, you know, they can water ski or picnic or whatever they got to do during the day, and then they have that evening to watch a race, and I just think it's a good way to go, especially in the summertime.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, if you're driving and, and you're watching at home, it gives you time to get everything done during the day, and, you know, it works out great for the fans, and it the TV
2: audience and also the the drivers yeah so what's um
0: and, the, and the, probably the crew people on Pit
2: Road too what's
0: the big uh, any
2: any big stories other than uh, Chicago I, I mean what's uh, anything going on? I noticed that uh, the Xr X the SRX series is coming back this week uh, on Thursday for uh, I think six weeks in a row
0: that's correct. And also start this Thursday at Tony Stewart's Eldora Speedway. Tony Stewart has put up to the—it's the first time a sprint car driver can ever win a million dollars for winning a race, and that's Thursday night as well at Eldora Speedway.
5: Oh, okay,
2: didn't know about that. I've got here the list of drivers that. Uh, uh, well, first of all, the tracks—they're running at Stafford, uh, Stafford Springs in Connecticut. Thursday, then the next Thursday will be uh, Thunder Road Speed Bowl in Bar, Vermont. I'm not familiar with that. Uh, then oh, the-
0: that's because you haven't listened to
2: Ken Squire. That's where he started announcing. That's his track. <laughs> okay. Uh, good old Ken. The Motor Mile mm-hmm. on July 27th at Radford, Virginia. Berlin Raceway, which uh, I think they raced uh, somewhere there. The Arca Cars ran there a couple of weeks ago. That's in uh, Grand mm-hmm. Rapids, in Michigan and Eldora Mm -hmm. on August the 10th, and then the Lucas Oil Speedway in Wheatland, Missouri, uh, on August 17th. So uh, looking forward to having a little entertainment. And they're calling it Thursday Night Thunder, and it's on ESPN like it used to be in the old days.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If everybody will notice, it's moved from CBS to ESPN, and it's moved from, I mean, yeah. Yeah. And it's moved from Saturday night to Thursday night. And it's kind of, it is a resurrection of the Thursday night thunder. But if you will also notice, the races are being held on Thursday night near where the cup races are that weekend. Hmm. And that was done to try to draw the crowds to both events. And also, I think, make it easier for those cup drivers that are competing in the SRX series and the cup races. Because with them opening at Stafford Springs, Connecticut. That's the Thursday before the Cup Series is at New Hampshire.
2: Yeah, the drivers and this then year.
0: Vermont uh, on Thursday night is the week before the Pocono race.
2: The drivers participating, I was just going to say real quickly, is are uh, Tony Stewart. I think he won the championship of this thing last year. Kevin Harvick, who would be one of the drivers you just mentioned that's, uh, that's still in Cup. Bobby Labani, Um... Uh, Hallie Deegan, Marco Andretti, Tony Canaan, Paul Tracy, Clint Boyer, and uh, Ken Schrader. I think I got them all there. And uh, mm, I think Ryan
0: Newman's a full-time driver. Brad, Ryan
2: Newman. Yep, I did miss him, Ryan Newman. And I got one more here, uh, where the staple is, and it's uh, Brad Keselowski. So
0: he'd be
2: another. Yeah. He'd be another Cup driver. Um, let's do our little point standings. I tell you, this I have. Developed a cough in about the last 10 minutes. It's driving me crazy here. Um, excuse me. I know that
0: feeling. Oh, gosh.
2: Uh, I've been fine all morning till now. Uh, mm-hmm. Our point standings, Deb, got 33 points. Ronnie, you got 30. You're right right there. Uh, Lanny's got 25. I've got 23. And Greg, who's not with us this morning, has three. So, uh, uh, Ronnie, you go first today.
3: Well, I'm, I'm going to stick with Kyle Larson I'm in the number five.
2: All right. Deb? Six. six six lanny you can text me yours in i'm gonna go with uh i might as well go with suarez wayne you want to play sure
12: i'll get in this
2: week pick somebody <coughs> chase elliot all right he used to be my normal pick well deb um what else you got anything uh we well, need to know about coming up
0: well, uh, there are a lot of people, or uh, if people saw where Joe Gibbs Racing had a minority investor come in, and they think, oh, gosh, Joe Gibbs Racing and the Gibbs family is leaving racing. No, they're not. Uh, I have a story on AutoWeek that, that goes over the Gibbs family and what this means and, and how the future of Joe Gibbs Racing is in the hands of the Gibbs family.
2: Okay, I hadn't heard that, but... Uh... I wouldn't have suspected that that would, uh, I, I just think Joe Gibbs is here to stay. I wouldn't, of course, I guess he's getting on up in age, but he's been a racer from uh He's been a racer ever since he was a football coach. I mean, he's, you know, uh, I think, did he originally start in drag racing?
0: Not a re- well, if you want to go back to when he was a teenager in Southern California.
2: Well, but, uh, maybe that's um, where I'm going. <laughs>
0: Because now they did have an NHRA, they had three NHRA teams in the mid 1990s. Um, you know they came into Cup in the early 1990s, and then they had three entries in the NHRA. And then at one time, Coy Gibbs had uh, Supercross teams in motorcycle racing. And
11: they're still running Supercross teams. Are they? Yeah, Yeah,
0: they're they're still racing
11: in Supercross. They are.
0: Okay. Who's running that uh, part of it now?
11: Uh, I am not sure, but I, last week I was watching the uh, flat track racing and the super track racing, and there were two entries in there from Joe Gibbs Racing.
0: Okay. Well, good. Because I didn't know if um, they still had any interest. In, I didn't know if Coy shut that down when, after J.D. passed, and he had to go over, and or he didn't have to, but he went over there to to step into that role, and then when Coy passed, I didn't know if they continued with their motorcycles
2: or not. They're keeping it
0: going. That's good. I'm the, glad uh, to hear that.
2: Just uh, got a text from Lanny, and he will take Blaney as usual. So, uh, well, Deb, that's about your 20 minutes. You, you can have a few more if you need, if you got anything else you'd like um, to share with us.
0: No, I think that's it. Just, uh, you know, follow me on AutoWeek.com and I would deeply appreciate
2: it. I'd follow you any place, and, uh, Somebody's got a birthday coming up next week, don't they? Somebody you know very intimately. Yep. Yeah, Deb's got a birthday. Uh, the thirteenth.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. On Thursday. All right. Well, happy birthday,
2: yep. Deb, and a little. Uh, well, thank you. I
0: appreciate that. Yeah, I'm old enough to know better, and too young to care.
2: <laughs> and you're, uh, uh, you're always our birthday girl, and we appreciate you coming on the show. And thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, what, what's your next appearance going to be?
0: I mean, well, we got New Hampshire
2: next week. On the scene. I mean, are you going to New Hampshire?
0: Yeah.
2: Oh, okay. Well, good. Then we'll um, talk to you from New Hampshire next week. Okay. That
0: sounds great. All right. I look forward to it. Everybody, have a good
3: week. Ronnie, you look like you're trying to say something. Oh, I'm just getting ready
0: to say my tagline.
3: <laughs> Who is she? She's the smartest woman I know. That's what
2: I think too. Thank you, Deb. We'll talk to you next week.
0: Thank you. It's always
3: a pleasure.
2: All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, Deb. Uh, you know she's only a couple of years younger than us.
3: <laughs> yeah, and she's held up a whole lot better than we have. Oh, uh, and we just—I just discovered that uh Wayne's microphone was not working, so he and I are going to have to share this mic. Okay. They said something about plugging that. Unplugging it
2: and plugging it back in. I don't know anything about stuff like that. So, let's, But, you know, when he talks into it, these right-hand needles are jumping. But when we talk on our microphones, you know, they're all, all the four of these meters are jumping. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, I'm not even going to attempt to fix it. But if y'all can pass that back and forth, that would be just swell. Let's, uh, let's take a break. We're going to come back, and I'll do a few results and everything. And we will uh, get ready for our big guest appearance with Wayne Finley, who is already here. You're listening to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartanburg.
13: Alex, I see you got a new car. Yeah, man, it's sweet. Room for Titus and all his stuff, but it's missing something. Like what? Well, you know how Titus likes Tupac. Naturally. Well, the new car doesn't have the bass like my old car did. You need to take it to Elite Audio. They can add bass to a factory system. Seriously? Yeah, while you're there, let them add a remote start so the car is warm when you and Titus get in in the morning. I also saw they can add LED headlights, which you should look at, Clary, because you can't see anything. Elite Audio on Asheville Highway. Check out all they can do at EliteAudioOnline.com, plus their Facebook page. Apparently, you can't hear either. What? Visit our website at
1: SpartanburgSportsRadio.com. Fox Sports Spartanburg, 98.3 FM. WSPG Spartanburg.
4: No matter what mood I'm in, McDonald's has a deal that's here for it. Like right now, I can mix and match two of my favorites for just $3.49. So if I'm feeling a little extra, I get a McDouble with two tasty beef patties. If I'm feeling nostalgic, oh, I go with a classic like a juicy McChicken. And no matter how I'm feeling, a golden crispy small fries always sounds like a good idea. All this food talk is bringing on a new mood. Hungry. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or cowboy meal. Single item at regular price.
2: And welcome back to Start Your Engines. Wayne, say something. Good morning. No, it didn't fix it. I thought it fixed it. So, anyway, uh, we will – y'all just share that mic over there, and we'll uh, we'll struggle through this the best we can. Let's look at some results now from last week and from Chicago. We've already done Xfinity. The uh, cup race, I don't think anybody picked Van Giesenberg, Bergen, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it would have been a pretty good pick. He qualified third, so he was up there – uh, and uh, and was the winner from his third starting position. And like I said, that's the first time a first time starter in the in the Cup or Grand National or whatever has won since 1963 when Johnny Rutherford did it. Second was actually another surprise who started 37th, and that was Justin Haley who ran a real good race and uh, um, held off in, uh, Van Van Gisbergen as long as he could, but ended up in second third was chase elliott fourth kyle larson fifth kyle bush sixth was austin Sendrick. seventh michael mcdowell eighth joey logano ninth ty gibbs and tenth chris boucher uh denny hamlin started on the pole and led a bunch of that race but he got into the tires quite a few times but nobody got into him as many times i don't think as um noah cragson it looked like every time you turned around he was bouncing off of him and that's uh that's like a uh, that's Legacy Motorsports, which was a motor club, which uh, is an offshoot, I guess, of the Legacy being the Petty name. Um, we got Wayne Finley here. What do you think about that, Wayne?
11: Well, the the race in Chicago was amazing, and I've been racing with Shane Ginsbergen on, on I racing for ten years. Oh, really? Yeah, and uh, he he started uh, ten years ago in you know, 2013, I think it was. They ran. Circuit of the Americas in Texas. Right. And the V8 supercars, they were supposed to come back the following year, and I was going to get to be in their pits and be on in the garage with them, and they canceled the race.
2: Oh, be doggone. So well, they
11: never made it back.
2: So you knew all about him. You knew he was going to win this race, huh? Yeah, he, he came to iRacing about 10
11: years ago and never had uh, any open setups, and I, I would build setups and share them with iRacing and other people. And he was running at Talladega in a race, and uh, after the race was over, I said, "Shane, are you running the I racing setup?" He said, "Yeah." I said, "Well, no wonder you're getting beat." I said, "Let me put some setups in your in your inbox." So I gave him Daytona, Talladega, Atlanta, Charlotte, and the next race he was running up front with the, with the fast guys.
12: So, Ronnie,
2: can you believe this? I mean, I, I can't even. I, 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 that this doesn't even. Uh... I can't wrap my brain around no, that at all. Listen,
3: there's a movie coming out, Gran Turismo, that talks talks about uh, doing the I races, and they get an I racer, and it's it's from a true story mm-hmm. that actually gets out on the track. So
2: you actually, Wayne? Uh, I mean, it sounds like you know this guy. Yeah, we we became real
11: good friends, and we communicated via email and mail. And uh, like I said, he he had invited me to Texas for the second race. Yeah. And he, about a month and a half or two before that, he said, "I got bad news. We're not coming to Texas again." I said, "Oh no! I don't know if it was the promoter, of the track wanted more money, or what." But they had it was pretty good attendance the first year. There was a lot of people there.
2: So how long have you known him?
11: I met him uh, ten years ago in 2013. Can you get him on the show? I I'll have to get in touch with him. <laughs> Put you on the spot there, but God, what a what a... <clears throat> What a get that would be. Yeah, he somebody was commenting, well, we didn't know how good a, a oval track racer he would be. Because he said that he's got one more year with V8 Supercar. Right. I heard he would that. like to come back here and run Cup. Somebody said, well, I don't know how good he's going to be on oval tracks. Well, I told him the to Super Speedway race. If he gets
2: back here, look out. Well, <laughs> man, that's, uh, that's something else. Now, this is an unexpected uh, yeah, uh, bonus here from... Uh, from having Wayne on the show, that he knows the guy. And I didn't think many people would know him around here, but that that racing is just, that's international. I mean, you can know people all around the world. Yeah, well, I have a race every morning,
11: seven days a week. I've got people from Australia, from Canada, uh, from Japan. We have a guy named Takashi who races with us every morning from Tokyo. Uh, Brian Messers in the Air Force, he's based in Tokyo. Uh-huh. He races with us, and this past week he brought couple of friends, one in the Navy and another
2: one in the Air Force. But we have people from all over the world racing with us. It's quite interesting. It really is, and I want to hear more about it. I mean, I, I, it just blows me away. Let's look at a couple standings here. Uh, now, we have two drivers with three wins each, and that would be William Byron and Kyle Busch. Then with two wins each, we have, uh, in third place, Martin Truex Jr. and fourth, Kyle Larson. And then with one win... In fifth place, uh, these next, uh, how many is that? looks like seven drivers have one win. um, Ross Ross Chastain is fifth. Sixth is Christopher Bell. Seventh, Denny Hamlin. Eighth, Ryan Blaney. Ninth, Joey Logano. Tenth, Tyler Reddick. And eleventh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., the uh, Daytona 500 winner. Then the last five in the playoffs as of right now don't have wins yet. That's Kevin Harvick in twelfth. Chris Boucher in thirteenth. Brad Keselowski in 14th, Bubba Wallace is in 15th and 6th is Ty Gibbs, slipping out of the top uh, 16, and that's the guys that go to the playoffs. Looking on the uh, from the outside looking in as Daniel Suarez is 17th, Michael McDowell 18th, 19th with AJ Allmendinger and 20th is Alex Bowman. You know, uh, Michael McDowell's really tickled about this uh, this uh, Chicago race. He said that was right in his wheelhouse and well he uh he finished seventh. I think he was probably a little disappointed that it didn't go to distance or whatever because he was uh he was really looking forward to that race. Yeah, that uh them
11: shortening the race after that first group had made their green you know, their pit stops mm-hmm. really messed up some strategy. Because yeah. Ginsbergen went back to eighteenth and then came back to the front, but he did have the fastest car on the racetrack
2: all weekend. Yeah. Well, that's a fascinating story. All right, the trucks. Um, oh, let me back up here. The, uh, In fact, let me back up both of these things if I can dig them out because I do this every week. I put my paper away before I need to. The Xfinity will race uh, tonight at 8 o'clock on uh, USA, and that will be the ALSCO Uniforms 250, and that's at Atlanta. And uh, some good evening entertainment there. Hopefully the thunderstorms will stay away or will be over by then. Uh, so they'll be under the lights in Atlanta. And then tomorrow, the Cup cars run to Quaker State 400, and that will be at 7 o'clock on USA Network. And uh, a little bit earlier start, but they got a little bit farther to go. So uh, the Xfinity runs 250 miles, and uh, Cup runs 400. The trucks will run today, and uh, that's what I watched a little bit of yesterday. Well, In fact, there was an ARCA race last night, or yesterday afternoon. We'll get to that in a second. But the trucks, um, uh, they didn't race last week, but today at 1.30 on FS1, they will run the O'Reilly Auto Parts 150 at Mid-Ohio. Of course, that's the road course at Mid-Ohio. And uh, the points leaders for the trucks, Corey Heim is first. Second is Zane Smith. Third, Grant Enfinger. Fourth is Tom Majeski, Fifth, Ben Rhodes. Sixth, Christian Eckes. Seventh, Carson our. Eighth Matt D. Benedetto, ninth Matt Crafton, and tenth Nick Sanchez. Uh, they have three races to go before their playoff start. so they uh, will uh, really be getting down to some brass tacks here to uh, to finalize. I think they July 29th. I'm not. I, something's telling me it's Richmond, maybe not. But July 29th is uh, will be their last race for. Uh, before the playoffs begin, which will be here before you know it. They start quite a bit earlier than the others, and they take the top ten in their point standings, which is, as of uh, right now, Zane Smith is first, second is Grant Enfinger, third Christian Eckes, fourth, Carson Josevar, fifth, Corey Heim, sixth, Ben Rhodes, seventh, Ty Majeski, eighth, Matt B. D. Benedetto, ninth, Matt Crafton, and tenth, Nick Sanchez. So, uh... Remember Nick Sanchez, he's one who Mario Andretti in his pits down in uh, Darlington.
11: That's right. Watch out for Andretti in that truck race today. Uh, he's in it? He's in it. He okay. qualified in the top ten, I believe, and he was fast. <laughs> so he may be uh, a truck entry first-time driver, first-time winner today.
2: Okay. Well, we'll be watching that. And uh, that's at 1, what I say, One thirty. Marco Andretti. Yeah, Marco he was and- pretty quick. He almost won Indianapolis one year, like his first year. Or, I, I mean, think his rookie year. He yeah, missed it by like. He got passed a, on the last corner, a hundredth of a second, yeah. I and mean, it was so it was one of the closest finishes in history. Um, let's look at Arca real quick because they ran last night. Here it is, and um, actually late yesterday afternoon at Mid Ohio, I watched it, and um, not much really to report there except a new winner somebody that hasn't been in victory lane in a while, and that's Tyler Ankrum, who uh, uh, was the winner in his Toyota. Second was William Solich. Third, Jack Wood, no relation. Fourth, the point leader, Jesse Love. And fifth was Dale Quarterly. Malcolm in the middle, Frankie Muniz was sixth. <coughs> Excuse me. Seventh was uh, Todd Souza. Eighth Connor Jones, ninth Zach Heron, and tenth Dean Thompson. The uh, ARCA will run next week at eight o'clock on FS1 in Iowa. Don't have a name for that race. Usually, don't have a name for an ARCA race. It's the General Tire One Fifty or something. But anyway, uh, they will um, they will run at eight p.m. at Iowa, of course, under the lights next week. Uh, the race yesterday that Tyler Ankrum won, of course, was the Sensor Smart Coat One Fifty. And um, that was at Mid Ohio uh, and Lexington, Ohio. The points for ARCA, if I can get to them here, after last night, uh, blah, 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 trying to get to it. Wow. Well, here we go. Got it. Um, Jesse Love is the points leader, and he's won four of the eight races. Second is Frankie Munez, who was fading back a little bit he's 40 points behind third is andres perez de lara fourth time tony constantino and fifth christian rose sixth tony brightinger the victoria's secret model seventh john garrett eighth jack wood no relation ninth is uh off my sheet so i don't know who's ninth but doesn't really matter but anyway uh that's the arca menard uh standings and they will run again next week in iowa well, we're glad to have you here, Wayne. I don't really have enough uh, time here to jump into another another set of uh, results, so what I can do is uh, welcome you to the show. I'm look, looking forward to hearing from you uh, on the other side of the break. I'm glad to be here. Well, you now you live in Greenville, right? Yes, I do. A big pain in the
11: butt to get over here? No, not too bad. 85, they're not doing construction on Saturday. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Well if they got big potholes in the road or something i say that used to be an awful drive and i you know we at one time had to do this show in greenville and we uh commuted over there how long did we do that about a year when it was uh when the tower fell right so uh well that was a pain in the butt that was the uh previous show dropping the hammer with uh dale wilkerson and uh i hated going going over there on a saturday morning so this is a whole lot more convenient, and as you can see, they're doing some improvement. Have you ever been in the studio before? Never
11: before. First time.
2: Well, it's uh, it's a work in progress. You can see all the wrestlers that surround us here. I know nothing about wrestling, but i tell you what. Uh, they talk about them on all the other shows, uh, and they can tell you who every one of these people are, and I can't tell you who any of them are, uh, actually. So, uh, but, yep, they've uh, put some new uh, acoustics in here, and... Uh, Got some coats of paint out there, and it's it's a work in progress. It looks a lot better than it did. They've uh, worked on the desktop here a little bit, so we're um, glad to have you here. And we're going to come back in about ten seconds and talk to you after uh, we take our break. You're listening to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartanburg,
1: Spartanburg's radio home for Gamecock football. Fox Sports Spartanburg, 98.3 FM, WSPG Spartanburg.
7: Victor Wembenyama made his NBA Summer League debut on Friday night as his San Antonio Spurs defeated the Charlotte Hornets 76-68 in Vegas. Wembenyama, in 27 minutes, scored nine points. He was two out of 13 from the field, but had eight rebounds, three assists, and five blocked shots. In Major League Baseball on Friday night, the New York Mets won at San Diego in ten innings, seven to five. Jeff McNeil the game-winning RBI double to lead off the top of the tenth inning. The Mets on a six-game winning streak. The Dodgers hit five home runs, two by Mookie Betts, in an 11-4 win over the Angels. And a matchup between the teams with the two best records in baseball. The Atlanta Braves won at Tampa Bay, two to one. Atlanta's won nineteen of twenty-one. Tampa Bay on a six-game losing streak. Phillies won at Miami, four to three. Philadelphia tied a franchise record with its 13th straight road.
17: tracing roots to 1832 Jani is a leading financial services firm dedicated to putting clients needs first with nearly 200 years of experience we are committed to providing services and solutions tailored to fit your unique needs and preferences to help clients reach their personal and business goals When you're seeking a long-term relationship built on trust and experience, financial advisor Trent Lancaster, located in the Spartanburg office, can provide seasoned advice, guidance, and support through every stage of your life and finances. We invite you to speak with Trent to explore ways in which he can help you and your future generations in planning for your future. Contact him by calling 864-585-8282. That's 864-585-8282 or visit TrentLancaster.com, Jannie Montgomery Scott, LLC, member FINRA, NYSE, and SIPC. Have you been in a car or motorcycle wreck or an accident involving an 18-wheeler? Have you been injured in a workplace accident? If any of these things happen to you, you need to call the Carolina Law Group today. The Carolina Law Group isn't afraid of the big insurance companies, and they will fight for you. Call today to speak with an attorney for a free consultation. In Spartanburg and Greer, call 757-5555. And in Greenville, call
10: 312-4444.
17: The Carolina Law Group attorneys are your local injury lawyers. With four convenient locations to serve you in Spartanburg, Greenville, and Greer, visit them online today at thecarolinalawgroup.com.
1: Weekdays at 3 p.m. It's Spartanburg County's longest-running radio show. The sports voice across the region for nearly 20 years.
9: There is
10: no substitute for decades of experience.
1: Talking everything local, from high school football and basketball to Carolina and Clemson. It's open month. And we have the studs. With Ryan Clary, Alex Smith, and Anthony Grigger. Don't miss a moment beginning weekdays at 3 on Fox Sports Spartanburg 98.3. Gentlemen, start
0: your red gun.
1: from our studios in Spartanburg, South Carolina, Fox Sports Spartanburg presents Start Your Engines. Here is your race team for today. Show producer, Ronnie Black, author and veteran motorsports journalist, Deb Williams, local action from winning car builder and owner, Alan Hill, former NASCAR team manager and author, Greg Moore. And here is your host for Start Your Engines, racing historian and author, Perry Allen Wood.
2: And welcome back to the second hour of Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartanburg, and it's my pleasure to have in the studio with us this morning, Wayne Finley, who worked for years, uh, what did you say, 14 years with the Pettys, and uh, and it's just a wealth of information and a lot more information than I thought I was bargaining for when you got into the eye racing and everything, which is completely over my head, but uh, I would like to get into that a little more, uh, maybe not today, but some other day, but, you know, it's... Great having you here, and uh, welcome to Spartanburg. Welcome to Start Your Engines. Well, thank you very much.
11: Thanks for having me on the show today.
2: Well, um, I understand you wanted to come on, and Greg never would let you.
11: Yeah, Greg told me that
2: uh, he had other stuff to do. He wanted me to book guests for him. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I do, too. <laughs> but, um, okay, so you started with Petty. You were telling me a little bit. Uh, how did that get started? You were a a young, a, a teenager at the time, way back there. Yeah,
11: 1963. I was a wow. uh, tenth grade at Greenville High School. The and Red I, Raiders. The Red Raiders. Coach Slick Moore was the coach back then. Okay. A friend of mine was a senior at, at Greenville, and his name was uh, Norman, and Norman Hollingsworth, and he had been a Chrysler man all of his life. He had a Chrysler, a Plymouth, a Dodge, or something. And he had asked me to come help him work on his cars. And in July of 63, he said, we're going to Greenville Pickens races out there. And he says, uh, student ticket prices were a dollar. And they had a hot dog and a Coke for a dollar. And so he said, come, let's go to the racetrack. So he and another friend and I went to Greenville Pickens, went around back to the ticket window and walked up. And uh, Pete Blackwell's wife was selling tickets that night. Dirt track. Dirt track, nineteen sixty. Pete and Tom Blackwell owned the racetrack from its inception in nineteen forty seven when the speedway opened when Greenville Pickens opened. And we went up the window and said we'd like three student tickets. And she said they'll be twelve dollars apiece. Well we didn't have fifteen dollars between us. So I said, Miss Blackwell, it was I thought student tickets were a dollar. She said, Well the big boys are coming tonight. She said, It's twelve dollars per ticket. Child, adult, uh, I think children under six got in free. But everybody else had to buy a ticket. So we said, well, we'll have to go home. So we walking away. She said, whoa, 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 don't go. She said, go back to the gate three outside the racetrack and wait there and ask the drivers if any of them need help. But well, we would gotten there plenty early. It was like 530.
2: Mm-hmm.
11: And uh, so we went to the back of there, and there was a couple that traveled with NASCAR to every track. Mary and Johnny Bruner was their name. Yeah. And they signed in all the drivers. You had to sign a waiver, you know, holding the track harmless and sign your waiver. And if you were a, had your NASCAR license, you signed in at that building or trailer, whatever they were using. Johnny Bruner was the flagman, wasn't he? Later on he was, yes. Mm-hmm. But Mary and Johnny were the, the people that signed everybody in. So we went back there and, and we said, uh Miss Blackwell told us to come back here and ask drivers. Well, Tiny Lund came and David Pearson and uh, Soapy Castles and My Buddy. Yeah. Everybody loved Neil Castles. I he was a lot of fun. And all these teams had come in, Dick Hutchison, Tiger Tom Pastone. And they practice and they announce their start and qualifying. So I went up to the window and I said, Ms. Brunner, we're going to leave. I said, nobody wanted us to help them. We asked everybody. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, the petties aren't here yet, and I know they're coming. Don't leave. So we're standing there. They're about halfway through qualifying. Here comes a crew cab, blue, petty blue Dodge pickup truck, open pickup truck with an open trailer with that number 43 Belvedere sitting behind it. And Dale and Whitey and... Uh, Richard, Dale, and Minnie Whitey were the only three that came that night and they got out and went up to the window to sign in. I said, Mr. Petty, do you need help working on your race car? He said, sure, <laughs> just sign in. So we went up to the window and says, Ms. Miss, Miss Bruner, uh, we want to sign in on Richard's car. She said, fill this out. And she gave us a mechanic, Grand National Mechanics license application. Mm. So we filled it out. Norman signed it and Norman's friend was 17, I was 16, and, and Norman was 18. Well, the bottom line said, I do certify I'm at least 18 years of age. And Norman's buddy looked at me, I said, sign it, tonight you're 18. <laughs> so we signed We signed the license and handed them back to her. And she said, that'll be $25 a piece. My heart just quit. <laughs> oh, man. So I uh, walked up to the truck, I said, Mr. Petty, I'm sorry. I said, we didn't have $12 to buy a ticket and the grand national license is 25 bucks. And he said, no problem. He got out handed her a hundred dollar bill, got his change. Then my heart started beating again. And he said, don't just stand there, boys hop on the trailer. We got to go race. Mm. So we pulled, they stopped qualifying, opened the gate in turn three. We drove out on the track around three and four and into the pits, started unloading the car. And Dale Inman said, Richard, we're in trouble. We have the hickory gear in here, not, Greenville Pickens gear and uh dale richard had already said they had to take the wiggles over to goodyear and get new tires so i said richard take let those two guys go get the tires and i'll change the rear end gear you knew how to do all that yeah franklin quick change is what they ran so put the car up on jack stands drain the rear end grease and uh i'm under the car and i pull the two spur gears off and hand them out to dale And he hands me a pair of gears twisted together with a coat hanger (laughs) and uh, he said do you know what you're doing i said yes sir he said well tell me i said well franklin quick change is just like the circus the big top the big gear goes on top and he said well i'll be darned you do know what you're doing (laughs) i put the gears on housing on put the grease back in it we qualified sixth or seventh and won the race i'll be doggone when the race was over dale said man if we hadn't changed that gear We had to finish last. And so Richard said, well, boys, you've got your license. Anytime you want to come work on my car, just show up at the racetrack. Well, Norman said, well, I can't because I work. The other guy says, my mother won't let me. And I said, I'm not going to tell my mother. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I went to a few more races between July and the end of the year in 63. And then 64, 65, I went to more races. I went to pretty much every race that I could drive to. Mm-hmm. Then I didn't even have a car. I got a car the following year and started going to Atlanta and Charlotte and Rockingham and Darlington and Talladega, Alabama, Hickory, Asheville, North Wilkesboro.
3: So, well, um, uh, If we had seen that in a movie, we would have said no way that can happen. Yeah. Well, uh,
2: it did happen. We're talking to Wayne Finley, and he's telling us about his years with Richard Petty and racing in gen- general. Um, 63, I remember it very well. I was, uh, of course, you're a little bit older than me. I was uh, 11, but I remember I was so thrilled that Joe Weatherly, Bud Moore, won the championship that year, although Weatherly drove about six or seven different cars for different people. Yeah. but uh, uh, And then 64, though, to me, was Richard's breakout year when he won uh, started out, you know, winning the, the Daytona 500. Of Course, Riverside was first, and Joe Weatherly got killed. And right. '64 generally was a terrible, a terrible year as far as death and Indianapolis drivers getting killed, and you know everything. Uh, pretty pretty rough year as far as fatalities. But for Richard Petty, I always thought of it as his breakout year. He won the Daytona 500. I, I don't know how many other races, but he was a champion.
11: Yeah, it it. It was the biggest learning experience of my life.
2: How many of the ra- now they ran about sixty what sixty two races well, back think, then? How many? I you- think
11: we ran sixty eight or sixty nine races in six in sixty four. Okay. And then the biggest year he really had was nineteen sixty seven.
2: Yeah. Well, I was going to get to that. Yeah. I mean, but I, was, I was. Yeah. I was, I was wanting to know: Were you at Daytona when he won the Daytona five hundred? Uh, in February sixty four.
11: Yes, I okay. went to Daytona the following year in sixty four. Right. Had to talk a friend and to drive me down there and uh, we went and we slept in our car in the infield <laughs> no I've done that when you so I, I wasn't working I was just spectator right I'm but uh, the the interesting thing was that back then they raced to live
2: mm-hmm.
11: they took their winnings and bought gas and car parts and everything all the kids would come together in the car in 63 when I worked for Richard the first race Kyle was three Okay. So he, he was a little tight. And um, I didn't get to go to the shop until 1967.
2: That was a question I was getting to. Was when did you actually, did you move to Level Cross? No, I, I was a professional photographer. Okay. I did a high school yearbook.
11: I did the first yearbook at Greenville Tech. When they did started their yearbook, it was the Tech School Yearbook of the Nation that year. And uh, took a, got offered a job. Uh, I was studying drafting and design technology and got offered a job as a professional photographer making $1,000 a week. So I went to my uh, counselor at Greenville Tech, who was a retired Air Force colonel, Mm -hmm. and I said, Colonel, uh, I've got this opportunity to take this job, but I'm just a couple of quarters away from graduating with my associate degree in drafting and design technology and he said what's it doing and how much does it pay and I told him and I'd worked one summer at J.E. Serene as a, a repairing drawings and making changes to drawings and do drafting work and he said "What's well, it pay? I said a thousand dollars a week plus expenses he said if you don't take the job I will <laughs> so I decided to, to give up on that so I, I didn't stay my last quarter at uh, Greenville Tech and uh worked more races for Richard, and then uh, in in 67 was the first January, I went to the shop to help build the Daytona car. Okay. And what was amazing... So you were
2: living up there. You moved up
11: there. Well, I got a boarding house in High Point, North Carolina. Uh, I, I I got a job with Bird Furniture Company in High Point, and they hired me to photograph their furniture for their catalogs. Wow, what a gig. Yeah, well, I was working for United Press International for Jerry Huff in Atlanta, and Deb worked for UPI, too. She talks about it frequently. Jerry Huff was the head photographer in Atlanta. I was a freelance photographer for UPI. I was shooting furniture, pictures in High Point for Bird Furniture Company, and I was renting a room from a little lady up there whose husband had died, and they turned their garage into this apartment, $5 a night. And every night when I came in... Paid by the night? Paid by the (laughs) night. I'd give her money every week, but it was five bucks a night. Okay. And every night when I got in from the garage, there was a glass of milk and four chocolate chip cookies, freshly baked on the bedside table. Well, that was worth the five bucks right there. (laughs) That was better than Hampton Inn any day. Yeah. But... uh, How far commute is that? It was about, from Level Cross to her house was about... 25 minutes I was about to, oh 25, yeah, minutes. Okay. 20, 25 minutes not that far to high point all right but when we needed parts we would drive to high point to pick them up if we had you know take the petty truck and go
2: over to high point and pick up parts let me ask you this now because i got a million questions and i, I want to get in as many as i can but um lee petty of course was still alive then yes was he running the show lee sat on the front porch <laughs> smoked his cigars
11: And he had a pitching wedge and two or three golf balls. And he would go out in the front yard and hit the balls down the hill. And he'd walk up on the porch and sit and rock and smoke. And he'd go back to the bottom and hit the golf balls back up the hill. (laughs) And he'd come in the shop several times a day. One day I'd swept the shop before I left, cleaned up everything. And he came in with us smoking his cigar and had about an inch and a half of ashes on it. Well, he flicked them off as he walked in the door and uh, he walked through the shop. and He said, "Everything looks pretty good, but you left something right there." And I said, "Well, those weren't there." You came in. He said, "Well, clean them up before you go." <laughs> but uh, he was—I mean, the neatest thing about working for the Petties was at lunchtime we ate lunch around the Petty kitchen table. Hmm. And Linda. Was how many? Naked. How many were there? It was Whitey, uh, Dale, Inman, Maurice, Richard. A uh, couple other people that worked in the shop. Uh, one day we were getting ready, we were fixing to have lunch, and Linda said, "Go tell Maurice lunch is ready." Well, the in the the engine room had a door. The door was closed and said, "Do not open." So I went to get Maurice, tell him lunch was ready, and I opened the door. All I saw was a hand with a crescent wrench come up, and I slammed the door, and I heard the wrench hit on the back side of the door. So I went back in the house and she said, it's Maury's coming. I said, I don't care if he eats or not. <laughs> he tried to kill me with a 10-inch crescent wrench. <laughs> mm. But, um, it's, you know, it was the family atmosphere. It was a family deal. Right. You know, Richard never got to run the Bud shootout because they would not put a beer sponsor on the car. Mm. So every year we watched that race and and he could have quali- won a lot of polls and yeah. won a lot of races, qualified for it but basically every year. Uh, Lee Petty and Mama Petty said, "We're not taking money from a beer company."
2: So, about that. well, I don't know uh, if they would last very long today doing that, but uh, I can understand. And I've heard that about they wouldn't. I had forgotten about it. Yeah. but They wouldn't. Uh, they wouldn't take money from a beer company. So that wasn't up until. Uh, um, how long did you live there? Well, I, 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 I would come back home,
11: but I only went up there in January. Up till we left for Daytona. Mm-hmm. So I'd stay five or six weeks in High Point, And I still lived in Greenville. But I'd just stay in the boarding house and work at the shop. And then, you know, after we went to Daytona, I'd come back home.
2: Yeah.
11: Because I was, you know, shooting pictures there in High Point. So I'd work in the mornings, three or four hours. And then I'd go to the shop in the afternoon. And the coolest thing about it was, I'll never forget, 1968, we were building the Daytona car. And we didn't have a rear bumper. Of course... Petty couldn't order parts from Chrysler. So we needed a rear bumper for the sixty eight Daytona car. And he picks up the phone, says, Uh, you know, guys, I need a rear bumper for the car. So we're eating lunch around the kitchen table and we hear this big horn blow. And Richard said, That's probably our bumper, Wayne. Go get our bumper. And I go out in the driveway and there's a transporter out in front of the garage with roadrunners and GTXs on. And the guy backs off a 1968 brand new Plymouth Roadrunner and uh, said, sign here. And I signed for it and went back inside. And Richard said, what was that? I said, it's a whole Plymouth Roadrunner. He said, well, that's our bumper. Go take the bumper off, put it in the shop and come back and finish your lunch. So I went out and got wrenches, took the bumper off, put it in the garage and went back in the house. And he says, the bumper off? I said, yes, sir. He said, Martha Jane, call the High Point Car Dealership and tell them we got a car for sale.
2: (laughs) That's crazy. Let's take a break. I'll come back. We'll talk some more, okay? All right. Um, Fascinating stuff with Wayne Finley about the Petties and the history of auto racing and stock car racing in general. Um, Okay, so let's take a break. We'll be back. You're listening to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartanburg
1: start your engines we'll be back after this quick pit stop on Fox Sports
5: 14983 F Spring is here, and so are the savings at Greer Nissan. Deals are in full bloom this
6: month on all your favorite Nissan models, like a new 2023 Sentra or Frontier. Your choice. Lease for only $1.99 a month. Or hit the road in a new Nissan Road. Lease for only 299 dollars a month. Low prices, big selection, and committed to quality customer service. Come see us on Wade Hampton Boulevard or shop online 24-7 at GreerNissan.com.
8: Hey, everybody, this is Tyler Sugar. Join me weekday mornings from 7 until 9 right here on Bump
7: and Run on Fox Sports Spartanburg 98.3 FM, presented by Chris Foster Heating and Air, your local ream Specialist here in Spartanburg County. Join us as we talk high school sports, South Carolina, Clemson, USC update, Wofford, all the stuff that matters to you, and we have the best guests. Join us weekday mornings from 7 to 9 for Bump and Run here on Fox Sports Spartanburg 98.3 FM on the Fox Sports Spartanburg app and on our website, at SpartanburgSportsRadio.com.
8: Image
10: Printing is the only shop in the upstate that prints signage, decals, banners, t-shirts, wide format printing, full color paper printing, and offers graphic design services all in-house. And now Image Printing is offering custom t-shirts with no minimum quantity. That's right. Image Printing now offers direct-to-garment printing, which means you can get your design printed on a t-shirt, whether you want one or 1,000. Visit Image Printing at 845 California Ave. Across the street from the Spartanburg County Detention Center. Call 864-583-8848.
2: And welcome back to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartanburg want to give a big thanks to lanny mckinney who uh maintains the budmore engineering website and puts our podcast out there for us each week which i listen to and uh he also has a has come up with a uh a website for us and i just found out tomorrow's his birthday so happy birthday you right there with deb williams so happy birthday lanny and uh we uh we love you and thanks for everything you do and just just keep the flash drive because I don't need it. I can't record from here anyway. So uh but happy birthday to Lanny and uh hope you have a very nice one. That's tomorrow. What's what, July? What 9th? ninth 9th July 9th. Okay, that's great. We're talking to uh Wayne Fenley. We put in years with uh we just say 14 years with Petty. Yep, still Sixty-three to seventy-six. Okay, and uh, you can pull that on around a little bit. Uh, there you go. Uh, okay, so you were going to tell us about the date. Well, you told us about the car. So you finished that story right with the uh, the the GTX or uh, the, yeah. Well, the we got the leather. bumper for the car for, for the thing. All right. I, here's one I, I want to go to, and I know you got a million stories, and you could go all over the place. But here's one of the things, and um, uh, it's kind of a I don't know if it's infamous. It's definitely famous. But the Vinyl Top story, and I think that was 1968 as well, 1968, right? Yes. All right, and there's famous pictures of the the Vinyl Top coming up. This is in the Daytona 500, and Richard's standing on the hood of the car on his knees, beating on the top of the windshield with a hammer. But it wasn't really a Vinyl Top, so why don't you tell us that story? Well, I started
11: flying in 1965. I got my private ticket in '65. Um, I was resourceful. I uh, went to a, an aviation service and fi- asked how much lessons would cost. Uh, Exxon had a deal. Exxon Aviation had a deal with Howard Johnson's on the, with in Cessna, and in 1965 they came out with a Cessna 150 painted Howard Johnson's aqua blue and white. So for your first lesson was free at the Aviation Center at the Greenville Airport. So I went over there and took my first hour for free in a Cessna 150. Well, I've been big, huge. I weighed 265 pounds by senior year. And uh, when I was working for Petty, I was big. I could hold the gas cans and two tires, it didn't matter. And um, they told me how much it would cost For instructor in an airplane and I said well I can't afford it do you need any help and they says nope I said well I'll see you I was leaving the airport and drove by a place called Greenville Aviation who had a help wanted sign out by the road so I went up there and I says "Uh, do y'all need help we need somebody on ramp service to wash and wax airplanes to fuel planes pull them in and out of the hangar and I said well I'll work and she said well how much do you
2: Are we eventually going to get to the part about the roof on the car? Okay, you better speed it up a little bit because we we only got so much time. To make a long story short, I
11: started understanding aerodynamics. And I knew that dirty tops of airplane wings created downforce and limited the amount of lift the plane had. So I told the Chrysler engineers that if we put a textured top on Petty's car, it would make more downforce. And I didn't know what they were going to do with it because we had no wind tunnels back then. So they put sand and black paint and painted the top of the Petty car for the 68 Daytona 500. Well, we went down to practice and were faster than we had ever been at Daytona and qualified quite well and didn't know how much downforce it created, but it actually created so much downforce that it caved the roof in all the way down to the roll bars. And pull the roof away from the windshield. Mm. Now, the CBS was doing that race that day, and I think Hilton or somebody hit the wall. They said a piece of metal must have flown off that car and hit the petty windshield and caused the window to separate. But actually what happened was the downforce was so great from that textured roof that it caved the roof in till it got to the roll bars, and at that point it had pulled it away. And then it kind of popped up like a parachute, Mm. and Richard was up beating it down. We used every roll of duct tape on pit road that day. <laughs> we had duct tape halfway down the windshield, halfway back the roof. And you're right, the pitty was out on his knees on the hood, yep. beating it down. And we were
2: putting duct tape. And Dale Ennis say, "Go down pit road and find us some more duct tape." I could see him doing that, just like it was, uh, like I was looking at it on television right now. Yeah, it was. It was
11: amazing. After the race was over, How, how'd y'all finish? We finished poorly. We were several laps down, many laps down, just fixing the roof. The race was over, and Big Bill France came up to me and put his arm around my neck and said, "Um, I hear you had something to do with that. I said, well, I just mentioned it to Chrysler, and they said they would try it. And he said, well, don't ever bring it back here. (laughs) But the concept was great. You know, when you take a stock car off the hauler that was going to the dealership, and you have to weld a roll cage inside of it. You have to leave room between the roll bars and the roof. We were bending the welding rods at an angle to get them up in there to weld the roll bars together.
2: Mm-hmm.
11: We tried building sections and putting in there. You could do one bar, but you couldn't put enough in there to not have to weld the top of it when you were welding it together. So, uh today's world, where they build the roll cages and then put the sheet metal around it, we could have had the sheet metal right down on the roll bars. hmm but in 1968, it didn't work. But the concept was great. But the amount of downforce it created was excess of 2,000 pounds.
2: I tell you, Petty's i uh, I'm just sitting here thinking, of course, Richard Petty was always the main driver. But y'all had a lot of other drivers come through there. And, I, and a lot of winners from uh, drivers other than Richard Petty. And I'm thinking about, uh, of course, Jim Pascal.
13: Yep, Jim and, Pascal. Uh,
2: he, who I always... I still associate him with number 41 yep. <laughs> no matter what, no matter how many years ago that's been. 1970, Pete Hamilton. Pete Hamilton. Uh, yeah, I was He won get the there. Daytona 500. That's exactly. Well, he won yeah. Talladega too. Won year. Talladega, yep. And that was with the Superbird.
11: With the Superbird in 1970. The, the interesting thing about the Daytona 500 in 1970, there were only seven 1970 cars. The majority of the field was 1969 right. and even two 1968 Car makes in that race, mm-hmm. so there were very few 1970 cars in the 70 Daytona 500.
2: And that was the year that uh, Plymouth had the Superbird and Dodge had the uh,
11: Daytona. Right, and you know what happened in '69 was when NASCAR, in their infamous wisdom, outlawed the Hemi, and so y'all went with Ford. Well, Petty went with Ford, and non- they w- actually it wasn't Petty Enterprises; they went with another race team. So, I didn't work any races in 69 for Richard.
2: Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay.
11: When they said they were going back to Chrysler in 70, I said, I'm coming.
2: i got to ask you a question. This just popped into my mind. 1971. Do you remember uh, the first paved race they ran at at Columbia? Yes. Were you there? I was there. I skipped school that day (laughs) uh, because I was at the University of South Carolina and, uh, and I went out there early. You were talking about getting to the track early. Right. Richard Petty was the first one. I was there before he was. You were probably there. Or you had to be, I yeah. guess. And that the uh, big box truck came in yeah, there. Yeah, big silver. Pl- had Plymouth on the front of it. I'm going to show you some pictures of uh, that I took that day out there. Uh, some really good pictures of Richard Petty. A picture of me and Richard. And then I got somebody to take. Heck, it might have been you. But that was, I think, April 7th, 1971. Yep. And... Um, the first paved race and a lot of people and they let them come in early because they'd never run the track before and it was paved and they had a big uh yeah we burned up one whole set of tires just practicing that night <laughs> Yeah, well i remember that i was there and that was a that was a heck of a day i want to show you those pictures yeah, someday because uh, you were there you might be in them might be all right <laughs> uh, could be um so uh i mean this is fascinating stuff and we could talk a long time we've still got a few more minutes in this segment but uh what? Um, how was it working with uh, Richard? Was there ever any like you had all these other drivers that would come in and occasionally win, right? But was the equipment always equal, or, or did Petty's a little bit better, or was there any, you know, well, hoo-ha about that Pete at Hamilton's all? equipment
11: was exactly what Richard had. Maurice built an engine one way to go fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, In 1970, Richard had some bad luck. He had several
2: engines blow up. Well, he had a real bad luck at Darlington. Yeah. What do you remember about that? The the wreck. The the crash. The crash and the tumble. Yep. And his arm hanging out the window. Well, he had that red rag hanging out of his mouth. It looked like his brains were
11: coming out of his mouth or something. Well, he he always kept that wet rag in the race car, and we'd have to give him a pit stop. We'd give him another wet shop rag that was wet, you know, with water. But he just sucked on that. It was it did two things. If there was a lot of if there was a lot of vibration stuff, he didn't bite his tongue. Okay. But he just loved sucking on that rag to keep the moisture in his mouth. Yeah, you know, Hutchison and Pearson, a lot of them smoked in the race car. Of course. Well, Richard didn't smoke, but he sure chewed on that red rag. And it
2: was like if you didn't have a wet rag in the pits, we were in trouble. Now that was the spring race. I guess it was still called the Rebel Three uh, Four Hundred. I guess, but. Um, Had he wrecked his Superbird? Because he wasn't in the Superbird when he crashed, but Hamilton was in one. Right. Uh, There was some reason he didn't have the Superbird. He he was in, like, the dirt track car or something. Well, that was the short track car. The short track car. It was amazing. They would
11: run every year 60 races or whatever the schedule was with two cars. Right. I went to Penske's a couple of years ago before the new, this car now, where they're only allowed to, allowed to have seven chassis, I think. Mm-hmm. And there were 20, 22 cars up there for Logano. <laughs> you know, different stages. Every track had its own little car. It was amazing. Yeah. But generally, they had a 69 car and a, six, and a 68 car. And then when the new model came out, they had a 70 and a 69. But they kept that 69 Belvedere in,
2: to run for short tracks. I got to ask you this. Is this... It- things are popping into my mind now because I've been I mean I've been into this as long as you have only not on uh, over the wall 1965 Spartanburg Fairgrounds yes. um, Spartanburg 200 well but they came with uh, Curtis Turner was going to make his comeback and he was in a Petty car I think Petty had maybe wrecked at for Weaverville or something. I could be wrong about that. But anyway, they put Petty I mean they put Curtis Turner to make his big comeback because uh they were some outfit was opening up a a, a competitive uh sanctioning body to Nascar, which would have never gotten off the ground, but they were trying and Curtis Turner was going to be a part of that and the the attendance was terrible that year in NASCAR, sixty five, and uh so they uh got Curtis Turner They welcomed him him back from his lifetime suspension of four years. (laughs) And uh, he uh, was going to make his big comeback at Spartanburg. And I remember it like it was yesterday, and he was in a 64 Plymouth, not a 65 Plymouth. 64 GTX. And he crashed uh, qualifying on his second qualifying lap. And I I wanted to cry when they put that car on the the hauler and he wasn't going to be in the race. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember. Okay. Um, Um, Because... it, I, to me, it's a big deal, you know, and, and Curtis Turner always, you know, they always say his comeback was at Darlington. Well, that's true because that's where he did race in the Southern 500, but right. if he hadn't a crashed qualifying, it would have been in Spartanburg like two or three weeks earlier.
11: Yeah. Uh, Curtis was one of the most interesting people that I ever met. Without I, a doubt. I got to give Curtis's family his lifetime membership to the Hall of Fame when he was inducted and talked to uh, good friends with his daughter still today, and I flew with Curtis and she said, "Do you know, Daddy never had a pilot's license. The first time he flew by himself and landed, the FAA took it away from him."
2: <laughs> well, I mean, there's so many Curtis Turner flying stories, and a lot of them took place right around here, especially the famous one. Uh, was it then easily the, he landed on the highway and got some booze with some guy, and then yeah. took off? And we also landed in the Lake
11: Bowen in the watershed in a in a, a seaplane that was owned by a guy in Greenville and Curtis came down to look at it uh-huh. and we flew up here and he said well I want to land this thing on the water to make sure it lands and Tommy said well I've never landed it on water. And I Curtis, bet he hadn't either. Curtis, well, Curtis says well we've got pontoons and it floats right if we don't put the gear down we can land on water. So we landed at Lake Bowen, and then we took off and flew back to Greenville and landed and uh, <laughs> and Tommy
2: said, "Well, that was pretty good." And Curtis said, "Yeah, it's the first time I've ever landed on water." <laughs> yeah, that's uh, there's some there's so many stories about Curtis Turner, and i I, I want to I want to cover as much ground here as I can right now because we're getting low on time. Tell me what you did with the Hall of Fame. Well, I Wait, ju- you got your hat on. Yes, I joined
11: the Hall of Fame when they opened in 2010. Uh, the first I was working for a, a banking company called Diebold. The first induction ceremony was on Wednesday afternoon, I think. And I didn't get to make it. My boss would not let me off. I told him, I said, next time, if it's during the week, you can fire me, then I'm going. Um, But I I do private tours up there. I take groups. I've done some photography for them. We, uh, several years back, went down to Darlington, took a group, a busload of people to the Darlington race. We went to Bowman Gray mm-hmm. for a race several years back with a Hall of Fame. Great people, Buzz McKim. Buzz is my buddy. He's on the show every year. Yep, talked to Buzz just a few weeks. He sending me a poster that he painted for me to use for the cover of my book. So mm-hmm. Buzz's artwork is going to be on the cover of my book.
2: Which was the last thing I was going to cover before we uh, – you don't have to get up and leave. You stay right there, but i got to – Couple of other fish to fry over here before the end of the show, but you're writing a book and you've got, uh, what'd you say, chapter 21? I'm working on, yeah, now. I've got
11: three more chapters to go through and edit. And add, I'm at somebody said it needed more statistics, so I'm adding a few statistics to because a lot of people like it and some people don't.
2: Boy, I put too many statistics in my first book, and uh, uh, it, my brother complained, he said, too many statistics. And I don't know how your publisher is, but. Uh, McFarland, where my books are published, they are, uh, they consider them reference books. So you got to index everything. Right. Every time you say Pontiac, you got to put Pontiac in the index and put page numbers yeah. on. So uh, I, after I had all those stats in there and the, all those races and everything, I, I laid off of the, that was the only book I ever wrote that was statistic heavy because I yeah. didn't want to index all that stuff.
11: Yeah. It's, the uh, name of the book's called For the Love of Racing good name yeah it'll be out it was funny when maurice petty i'll end with this when maurice petty was inducted into the hall of fame on saturday after the induction ceremony my wife and i took maurice and his wife on his first tour of the hall Mm -hmm. complete hall and we were up on the fourth floor and he was in his little motorized chair and he was in front and he stopped and spun around i almost ran into him and he said i just thought of something i said what He said, I signed all the payroll checks at Petty's. He said, I don't ever remember signing a check with your name on it. I said, Maurice, y'all never paid me. (laughs) (laughs) And his wife said, well, I don't feel so bad either. The cheap SOB never paid me either. (laughs) You never got paid at Petty's? 14 years, never took a paycheck. And I got How one did a, you survive the five dollars a day well, in, I, a, in I, the barn? I, I was making good money as a photographer. Okay, I did, did some work for UPI, and when they used my stuff, I'd get a little bonus money from UPI. But uh, I did some modeling work in Atlanta,
2: Georgia, so I had a good a good career in the photography business, made so, a lot of money. So you make as much money you made as much money working for the patties as Ronnie and I do working at this radio. Station. Yes, yeah. And I get, a, I get a pay raise every year, don't you? And, I, hey, I didn't have to pay any taxes on it either. That's right. There's no taxes on nothing. <laughs> that's right. Wayne, that's, it's great to have you on the show, and I want to have you back as uh, often as you want to come. But let's take a break. i got to come back and uh, finish off a few things here, some statistics and, um, and results. And uh, we'll come back and finish the last segment. You're listening to Start Your Engines on Fox Sports Spartanburg.
6: Spring is here, and so are the savings at Greer Nissan. Deals are in full bloom this month on all your favorite Nissan models, like a new 2023 Sentra or Frontier. Your choice. Lease for only $1.99 a month. Or hit the road in a new Nissan Road. Lease for only 299 dollars a month. Low prices, big selection, and committed to quality customer service. Come see us on Wade Hampton Boulevard or shop online 24-7 at GreerNissan.com.
14: you can't predict what is going to happen but you can plan when was the last time you reviewed your financial plan financial advisor trent lancaster and Janie montgomery scott Spartanburg office can help you plan for the what-its to guide you in working toward a secure financial future that keeps you on track to meet your financial goals a financial plan can help you with goals such as planning for retirement educating your children or grandchildren, and passing on your wealth to the people and causes that are most important to you. Take the first step. Let Trent help you establish a plan today designed to protect you for whatever happens tomorrow. Call today at 864-585-8282. That's 864-585-8282 or visit TrentLancaster.com. Jenny Montgomery Scott, LLC member FINRA, NYSE and SIPC.
13: The Country Meat Center in Woodruff is well-known for our great cuts of beef, pork, and chicken, but we're so much more than just a great butcher shop. We also offer locally grown produce, delicious cakes and pies, a fully stocked deli with boar's head meats and cheeses, seafood brought in fresh from Charleston, as well as a great selection of wild game like bison, ostrich, and kangaroo for the adventurous home chef. We are locally owned and operated and will be happy to fill all your grocery needs. Shop local at the Country Meat Center, located at 10297 Highway 221, open 830 to 7, Monday through Saturday.
9: Find an old 35-millimeter film camera. Are you using one now? Do you want to? Where do you go to get your film developed? Spartan Photo Center, the last full-service camera store in South Carolina. They have all sorts of new and used cameras, digital and film. Remember film? They develop 35-millimeter and 120 size color negative film three times a week. Black and white every couple of weeks. Get your film developed, scanned, printed, or cloud delivered to you by Google Drive or Dropbox. Need film? They've got film. 35-millimeter color and black and white. Spartan Photo Center, 108 Garner Road, just off North Pine Street, across from the Food Lion.
1: Spartanburg's radio home for Gamecock football. Fox Sports Spartanburg, 98.3 FM, WSPG Spartanburg.
4: No matter what mood I'm in, McDonald's has a deal that's here for it. Like right now, I can mix and match two of my favorites for just $3.49. So if I'm feeling a little extra, I get a McDouble with two tasty beef patties. If I'm feeling nostalgic, oh, I go with a classic like a juicy McChicken. And no matter how I'm feeling, a golden crispy small fries always sounds like a good idea. All this food talk is bringing on a new mood. Hungry? ba 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 Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price.
2: Welcome back to the last segment of Start Your Engines. Eleven and a half minutes. So here we go. Uh, I want to touch on EMSA for a second. They uh, race tomorrow, as a matter of fact, on NBC at noon. From noon to 3, which uh, kind of surprised me that they're not um, on Peacock or something or USA, but it's on the big network at 3 o'clock tomorrow. And that's the Chevrolet Grand Prix at Canadian Tire Motorsports Park in Bowmanville, Canada. And, uh, of course, we are so interested in IMSA with the uh, supercars, not that's the hyper hypercars, and actually the car that we pull for, Mike Hill. You know, Mike? heard of him. Okay, Mike's uh, with with Junior Johnson for many, many years. Uh, He was until just a week or so ago the shop foreman at uh, Whalen, and I think he's probably still getting phone calls all the time asking where's the socket wrenches or something, but anyway, (laughs) he's he's a great friend of the show, and we we love Mike, and um, and he's with the Whalen Cadillac team uh, um, Action Racing I'll get it out. Action Express Racing, and they're leading the point standings in IMSA with uh, Pipo Durrani and Alexander Sims. They have a they have a forty point lead over the second place team of Nick Yololi and Connor DeFilippi, which is the BMW team. And I kind of like the BMWs because you know, they're there has nothing to do with Spartanburg other than we have a BMW factory here. And uh, I just uh, the alternatives are the ganassis and the Penskes and all of that. And I just uh, kind of like the underdogs and if you can consider uh that cadillac of wheeling engineering an underdog i you know i don't know if it's if that's fair or not but they definitely only have one of them instead of a flock of them and they're leading the points and they race tomorrow at noon at um at bowmanville canada so we'll be watching that on nbc moving over to indy indy uh raced last weekend and Alex Palou is tearing them up. He's won three in a row for uh, on the IndyCar circuit. Uh, second was Scott Dixon. Third, Will Power. Fourth was Christian Lungard. Fifth, Scott McLaughlin. Sixth, David Malukas. Seventh, Graham Rahal, making a good comeback from not qualifying at Indianapolis and then slipping in because of an injured driver. Uh, eighth, Patricio O'Ward. Ninth, Marcus Armstrong. And tenth, Alexander Rossi, Colton Herta sat on the pole and was looking like he could be a winner, but I believe he had a pit road violation, and uh, it just it killed him. I mean, I, they had no chance after that. Um, incredible crash, I don't know if you saw it or not, with um, uh, who, the the Frenchman, Simon Paginot. He went... Uh, he, the, he either lost his brakes or his throttle stuck. I can't remember. remember I think he lost brakes in the corner. Yeah, I, getting to the corner, and he went in, off that track sideways, ten feet in the air, and came down in the sand trap and flipped six and a half times, landed upside down, um, and next to the tire barrier, got out, but what I thought was fascinating was they had some sort of, and I only heard it once, and I didn't look it up to see, maybe you can explain it or, or know about it, but they said they had some sort of sensor in his ear that registered so many, some, yeah, the G-forces, and they said, well, uh, you're over the limit of what the, you know, of uh, what we will allow you to continue racing with. You're going to have to take a week off or ever how long it was. But anyway, um, incredible crash. Just walked away. I tell you, the halo of saving drivers left and right in Indianapolis and Formula One, um, Kind of like the one at Indianapolis better because it's got a windshield, but also uh, Formula One, uh, I guess they got a lot more ventilation. But the, um, uh, he was, uh, it was supposed to be Connor Daly's big, uh, big chance, and uh, actually he finished 20th, uh, a lap behind, so it didn't really cash in on it that much, I don't think. Uh, Marcus Erickson was the first car out of the race. He sort of got in a little dust up with, uh, can't remember who it was, but it took him out like on the fifth lap. So uh, anyway, that was the IndyCar car race. They are that was last week. They don't run this week, but they will run next week at the Honda Indy of Toronto, and that will be at three o'clock next week. And it appears as its only on peacock, which that surprises me too. The uh, uh, point standings for Indian for the Indy cars, and of course, as I said, Pelota's won three in a row. And I think he was a champion the year before last, so he's uh, right on schedule. He's got a whopping 110-point lead over Scott Dixon. Third is Joseph Newgarden. Fourth, Marcus Erickson. Fifth, Patricio O'Ward. Sixth, Scott McLaughlin. Seventh, Will Power. Eighth, uh, Alexander Rossi. Ninth, Colton Herita, And tenth, Kristen Lungard. A couple of others, uh, Roman Groshan is 12th. Uh, And looking down here, my buddy Santino Ferrucci. Driving the uh, Ford's main car, is 18th. After uh, looked like he could have won an Indy 500, but he didn't quite make it. He finished third. Let's move over to Formula One, where uh, well, kind of, kind of boring actually. Uh, it's the same thing every week. Red Bull stinking it up. Well, Max Verstappen has won five straight races and seven of nine. The other two were won by his teammate uh, Sergio Perez. They ran last week at um, the Rolex Grand Prix of Austria, and it was won by, guess who, Max Verstappen. Second was uh, Charles Leclerc in the Ferrari. Third was the other Red Bull of Sergio Perez. Fourth, Lando Norris. Fifth, Fernando Alonso. Sixth, Carlos Sainz. Seventh, George Russell. Eighth, Lewis Hamilton. Ninth, Lance Stroll. And tenth is Pierre Gasly. Logan Sargent, the American driving for Williams, actually had a kind of a decent race. He finished twelfth. Uh, he didn't start last, and he uh, finished twelfth. He didn't quite get a get any points, but that's uh, that's a looking up for him. The best he's done in a while. Kevin Magnuson and uh, Nico Hulkenberg and the Haas uh, cars, Ferraris out of Charlotte, uh, were miserable, finishing eighteenth and twentieth, and uh, kind of can't believe what you were telling me about uh, Lewis Hamilton
11: you won't run that by us again here yeah I've been listening to their engineers and I've, been, I've sent a couple of emails over trying to get in touch with Toto they have the straight line speed to keep up and actually outrun the Red Bull cars and the, their biggest problem is they don't have enough down force in the rear of the car and uh, I have a suggestion that I want to transfer to them uh, if I can make the roof cave in on Petty's car, <laughs> I think I can put some downforce in that uh, Mercedes, in that BMW. Mercedes. You're going to put
2: sand in the paint, are you? Or anything like that uh, on no.
11: the front wing? Nah. No. It's the rear they need help in. Oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, it, it's it's really funny how, she, you know, years and years ago, a racer said, speed uh, money makes speed. Well, that's the same truth in every Every form of racing there is. The more dollars you put in, the faster you go.
2: Well, that's, uh, that would be fascinating if you could help uh, get uh, Mercedes back into one I want to circle. get Lewis
11: back up front.
2: Well, I, that's, uh, he'd like it, too. I mean, I'm, I know he's not used to being back there. Um, they will run tomorrow the uh, British Grand Prix, and that's at Silverstone. That will be on ESPN2 at 9.55. Just call it 10 o'clock. Looking at the television um, for the weekend. Today, uh, actually, right now, well, we just missed it. Formula One qualifying uh, was on from Silverstone, so that's done. But the uh, Craftsman Truck Series runs today at Mid-Ohio, and that will be at FS1. The race is at 1.30, pre-race at 12.30. Then at uh, 4 o'clock. This afternoon, from uh, Atlanta on USA, will be Xfinity qualifying. Then at 5:30, immediately after that, will be NASCAR uh, the Cup qualifying in Atlanta, and that's also on USA. And then tonight, some good viewing. And boy, we got to be pulling for Jeremy. We got to snap out of this thing and win a race, uh, or at least have a top 10 finish. I'd settle for that right now, but we need to win one. That's at 8 o'clock tonight on USA. And that will be the Xfinity race in Charlotte, the Al Uniform 250. Then tomorrow, as I just said, the 8.30 is the pre-race for Formula One at Silverstone, England. And that's uh, on ESPN2. The race at 9.55. So you wake up with that one. About the time it's over, you go over to NBC and watch the uh, WeatherTech Sports Car Series. And that's in Bowmanville, Canada. And that is on NBC, the main, the main network, the mothership. And then Sunday night at 7 o'clock, or I'm sorry, yeah, 6.30 pre-race, the race at 7 o'clock is uh, the um, Quaker State 400 from Atlanta. Let's pray for good weather and pray for safe racing everywhere. And, uh, of course, my cough goes away when the show's over, so that's just (laughs) the way it goes sometimes. But, uh, Wayne, it's been great having you here. Well, I've
11: enjoyed it. And You mentioned Simon Paginot. He's also on iRacing. You know him too.
2: Yes, I do. Get him on the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna have. The, who else? Do you. Uh, we've got a, like a minute. Who, any other? I mean, Simon Pagenaud, uh, well, Shane Van Giesenberger. Yeah, Shane's raced a lot, and uh, you'll
11: be surprised at the at the NASCAR people that they run on there. When they're not, if they're off on the weekend or during the off season, Dale Earnhardt Jr. and a lot of the spotters and. and uh,
6: Josh Berry started there.
11: Yes, yeah, and well, he, and he he really got was noticed on iRacing. so was uh,
2: um, twenty four car for Hendrick. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we can't think of his <laughs> name right off. Byron, yeah,
11: William Byron, William Byron. He started on I. Several of them have, and Dale, Dale Earnhardt Jr. You know, saw him on on I racing and. Says, hey, come out and try a real, real
2: car. And so, and so now he's going to take Harvick's place. And
11: now he's going to take Harvick's
2: place. That's, that's so. amazing. So, uh, I tell you who to look for at Atlanta tonight. Okay, LaJoy. Corey LaJoy. Yeah, I said that on the Monday show that I do yeah. a, a segment on because Corey LaJoy almost won Atlanta one year. Yep. I think he finished fourth. I'm not sure how he did. He's running well there.
11: The car's great. They got a new engine this weekend. I understand. And, uh,
2: yeah, you're absolutely right, Corey yeah, LaJoy. I mean, we can watch him qualify this afternoon. He's not a long shot. No. Well, <laughs> not really, but because uh, we know he runs good there. Look, it's been great having you, Ronnie. I'm glad you made it. And uh, we're uh, going to head to uh, Applebee's. Natalie, get our table ready. The rest of you, keep safe. Be, um, be safe out there and uh, keep it between the fences is what I'm trying to say. Talk to you next week.
1: The home for bump and run with Tyler Sugard, Fox Sports Spartanburg 98.3 FM. WSBG Spartanburg. We are. One, one.
7: And here's what you need to know. Number one overall draft pick, Victor Wembenyama, made his NBA Summer League.